Hello and welcome to the third edition of London Gallery Weekend's podcast. I'm Jan Daly and today I'm talking to a range of guests about what's happening in the world of galleries in London and around the country. First of all, a new and exciting initiative that brings together two parts of the art world parts that were traditionally thought of as being very separate, London's commercial galleries and the public museums and galleries around the whole country in a special and possibly unique partnership. I'm talking to Jenny Waldman, Director of the Art Fund, and Jessica Barry, a curator at Aberdeen Archives, Museums and Gallery. Then I'll be joined by two leading art world figures, who are making waves in another new project, the Gallery Climate Coalition. Victoria Siddle and Thomas Dane will explain how this groundbreaking idea came to fruition and how it's gained traction over the past year and a half, snowballing huge support across hundreds of galleries in scores of countries. It's a really impressive story. And then Arun Mirza, one of the most interesting conversations I've had for ages with this artist whose work is visionary and exploratory and inventive, all in the area of energy and power. He has a lot to say and a lot to teach us about climate, energy and our relationship to the natural world. Now, what I wanted to talk about today is this very exciting new partnership between the Art Fund and London Galleries Weekend, which seems to me really special and unusual because it's a real meeting point between the world of the commercial galleries and the world of the museums and um, public galleries. Jenny, will you start off by telling us all about it and what it's all about and how you came up with the idea? The last year was the inaugural edition and it involved about 140 galleries across London in the city's central east and south neighbourhoods. And it had about 40,000 visitors to all those galleries over the three days. So it was incredibly successful bringing art lovers and collectors um, from across the UK but I think one of the things that they noticed at the within the London Galleries Weekend team was that um, there were far more people from the London galleries and museums in the subsidised sector than from outside London. And they came to Art Fund uh, with a proposal that we uh, share with them some of the costs of inviting people from uh, from the regions of England and the nations of Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland to London uh, for that long weekend. And I, I, you, your listeners will not be surprised to hear that a lot of regional museums and galleries simply don't have the resources to pay for their curators to, to travel uh, to London or indeed to, you know, to other parts of the UK, let alone abroad, uh, very easily. So we have already at Art Fund developed... Um, the rougher travel grants, which are small grants to enable curators and researchers to travel um, to different parts of the UK and also abroad for research and curatorial purposes. And this seemed a lovely extension of that to gather uh, some regional curators together for a weekend in London to see a lot of work across a lot of galleries um, and to talk to each other and to talk to the gallerists as well. 
Jessica, you're one of the um, uh, curators who's going to be travelling to London to um, sample the delights of the gallery weekend. Um, tell me what it what it means for you, what it is, what the point is, really, why you know why you want to do this apart from it being really good fun. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think the most important part for me as a as a young career curator is just developing and fostering these relationships between the galleries, but then also an extension of that artists that are operating usually around London and um, that we don't always get access to, especially up here in the northeast of Scotland. It's a long way away <laughs> and a lot of the time can feel quite inaccessible. So I'm really excited to go down and see what galleries are being supported by the weekend and who they are showing and hopefully gain some new insights into what's happening in the in the art scene in London at the moment. Um, and just, just remind us, Jenny, um, about the art fund contribution in a case like this. So let's say, you know, let's say Jessica or one of her fellow curators um, goes to the London Gallery Weekend and looks around and sees something absolutely fantastic and feels that it would be brilliant fit, but they can't really afford it or they can, you know, they can go somewhere way towards it. Can they come to you and say, um, can we apply for some help with this? Is that how it works? Exactly so. Yes, that's absolutely right. They can apply and our trustees would consider that application based on both the quality of the work itself and on the quality of the proposal in terms of what public access um, the, uh, the, the work would have, what exhibition programmes, what research and so on. But I think... Uh, you know, and that is a very important part of uh, what London Gallery Weekend wants to develop in terms of its kind of relationships with regional galleries and museums. But I think it goes further than that. And I think one of the things that we're excited about with this partnership is that we're really placing the regional and national uh, nations uh, curators and, and museum and gallery directors in the driving seat about asking them what they want out of this relationship. Because the galleries not they don't just represent artists and try and make a sale they are actually developing the career of artists so things like research mutual research development of exhibition ideas development of display ideas residencies and so on can genuinely be of mutual benefit yeah that's absolutely right i mean for a young artist to enter a public collection is a, an absolute dream often it isn't all about the money is it it's very much about the the um well the imprimatur that this gives them and also the fact that your work will be looked after beautifully and for for the long term um jessica what sort of things um will you be looking for i mean in terms of because we're talking now about very much um I mean, just for the purposes of this conversation, we're talking about um, spreading, you know, spreading the love all around the country. Um, will you, on the whole, be looking for works that have some kind of links or resonances with Scotland, with your area? Um, or is it a very much more a kind of international project as far as you're concerned? Well, there's a few, there's two different strands there. Um Initially, or what we'll be looking at mostly um, is our works that link to the collection development policy. So all museums and I think some galleries have a collection development policy about which artists they'll be collecting and how that looks for the next, say, five years. 
So in the, at the current moment, we're developing our collection development policy for the next five years, and we'll be looking at different strands and placing them into themes. So, for example, one of the themes that we're thinking of uh, talks to equality, diversity and representation. So it's th that's definitely something that we'll be looking out for when we come down to the London Gallery weekend. Um, and it can really be international or kind of Scottish local artists in that as well. It is always nice to get a connection to the, the gallery's situation and where we are in Scotland. Um, so that would be a complete bonus. But it's really just to see what's going on and how we can support it and how we can be involved. Jenny, tell us um, a little more about the, the range of... Um, I know that you've, you've taken applications from curators around the country. And how, ma how many are you able to bring... Um, to London in May? We think we'll be able to bring around 20. Uh, it's a £10,000 pot altogether. So we think we can stretch that to 20 um, curators or museum directors, and that will be to cover their travel and their accommodation expenses in London. But, you know, we are, we're so fortunate in this country to have an art ecology that is so strong, but it's taken a real battering over the last couple of years with the challenges of the pandemic and things like lockdowns and the different kinds of um, constraints that have been placed on activities in each of the nations means that there's been very, very little gathering together of curators and museum workforce generally just to kind of to talk with each other and meet with each other and share ideas and you know whilst also looking at art so we can all meet on zoom and we're probably fed up to the high teeth of doing so but actually get, getting together in a gallery or or seven over a day and seeing art together and talking about it and talking with the artists talking with the gallerists about the development of those artists careers and what and 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 their work it is going to be a fantastic opportunity well, I think it is absolutely amazing. So you're hoping that your twenty um, lucky candidates will will span the span the British Isles effectively. I mean, as as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And we've also got a focus group that um, that will have uh, curators who can really help us kind of develop this and see what works for for regional curators, so that we really get intel from them about what's what's going to be most useful. Um, remind us where your money comes from. Is it all membership? Um, our money comes from a variety of sources, mostly our membership. So it's our national art pass, our student art pass. Uh, we're just developing a teacher art pass. And all of those art passes get people into museums and galleries, often for free, major exhibitions for half price. But all of that money comes into Art Fund and Art Fund then... Uh, gives money to regional and national and local museums and galleries for a range of purposes, both acquisition and development, curatorial development, helping with their marketing, helping with their fundraising and so on. Um, and we also have a patronage scheme, which we're very, uh, which is very, very important to us. So we are completely independent of government. We receive no government uh, subsidy. We are a membership organisation and our 130,000 National Art Pass members, which now include 
28 and a half thousand students, uh, which I'm hugely excited by. So we have a huge range of passionate art lovers who are supporting us and supporting our museums and galleries across the UK. It's a perfect virtuous circle, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> Very exciting. Jenny, I expect that when you're when you're looking at the applications from all the various um, uh, possible um not, I mean, not only for this scheme, but for, for all your various schemes and funding schemes. You're presumably always thinking about this other element, are you? This, um, this educational um, engagement side of things. Yeah, I think we are always thinking. We're thinking about how the public benefits from what the galleries do. And I should say that Aberdeen Archives, Galleries and Museum was uh, one of our our winners, one of our joint winners of um, Art Fund Museum of the Year uh, uh, in in 2020, um, when we uh, looked at what they were doing, and they were they are fantastic, um, and we're so fortunate to have museums and galleries across the whole of the UK that are doing such excellent work. Um, so yes, I think what we're looking at is both the quality of the collections and the quality of the work that uh, that um, a museum or gallery might be interested in acquiring um, into the collection. But we're also really interested in what they do with those collections, how they display them to the public, how they engage the public with them. If you're in the presence of uh, you know, either an, a person that would be the best, or a uh, or a, 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 a panel explaining it, or a, um, a or a headset that you can get further information of, or a podcast that really takes you into the journey of the artist and and the context and so on. It becomes more and more compelling, more and more interesting for those galleries and museums that have uh, uh, learning and engagement teams who are able to bring those the works to life for uh for the visitors it is fantastic and of course we you know we are acutely aware that the one of the terrible impacts of the covid pandemic has been that there have been a number of um of reductions in workforce and after front of house teams learning and engagement teams have been the hardest hit so it is a worrying moment for museums and galleries at the moment yeah, I can see that. And talking of, of uh, learning and education and engagement um, and two-way dialogues, I mean, I think that this this will be a fascinating scheme because um, so the curators all come from around the country to look at the London galleries and to absorb from them. But I think also the galleries have a lot to learn from from the cura- curators in the museum sec- sector. And I think that that will be a very interesting kind of two-way thing. Jessica, do you feel that um, that you've got um, plenty that you would like to talk to them about in, in a different sector? Museums have this, this duty and this um, importance of really the public and the visitors and how we preserve and keep objects of interest and that explain our world that we live in for future generations and that goes the same for artworks um how do we keep these artworks in a condition and a state that everyone will be able to enjoy for years and years to come and i think that there's really interesting conversations there because sometimes contemporary art can 
and the contemporary art that's supported by commercial galleries can sometimes not really fit into those museum to that museum world very easily um, for example a lot of ephemeral materials and plastics are of a huge concern conservation wise um, but I think developing those relationships with the artists and with the galleries to really understand what underpins the work um, will help museum curators to handle and, and keep the work safe. Oh yeah, well it does. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a huge point actually about um, educating artists about how they can't necessarily anymore make things out of blood or earwax. It's <laughs> a really interesting sort of counter education as well, which is that the context of each of the different um, regional museums and galleries and galleries and museums in the, in the, in the nations are that, you know, there, there are other aspects to the collection as well. So if an artist is invited from, from London, say, or represented by uh, a gallery in London to a residency or to make a work in Liverpool or Birmingham or Aberdeen or Belfast, they're doing so in the context then of a building and a collection that has a wealth of inspiration within it. And all of those are different. You know, there's the huge local authority museums, there's the new builds, there's the incredible Chinese porcelain collection that one museum might have. So the number of different ways that an existing museum uh, collection can inspire a contemporary artist is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And and in in, uh, in the local use of materials, so whether it's pottery in the potteries or whether it's glass in 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 the north or you know whatever it is i mean there's there's so much to be said well i think this is a wonderful um partnership and it's going to be very very exciting um so it was great to talk to you both thank you so much and um and good luck hope it goes really really well And now on to another issue that implicates everyone across the art world and indeed all of us everywhere, the climate crisis. There's long been a growing concern among galleries as well as museums and indeed artists themselves, of course, about the environmental impact of their work, international travel, shipping of works and lots of other issues. To talk about an energetic, practical approach to this, I'm joined by Thomas Dane of Thomas Dane Gallery and Victoria Siddle, non-executive director of Freeze. They are co-founders and trustees of the Gallery Climate Coalition. Take it away. Tell us how this all began and um, how you came up with the idea, um, where it began, what it means. I was asking someone in the gallery to say, well, who do we get in touch with to try and help us become more sustainable and in a way that was the origin I, I, I rang Victoria and a couple of other people and said let's do a conference outside uh, for outside London somewhere where we can all get together get people out of London so they can discuss what commercial galleries should do how we should um, think about this for the future what, what should we be doing and we had we, we started on that. We had some really good speakers. We had uh, uh, Maria Balshaw coming from the Tate and others, and we got panels together, and we were going to have group table discussions and all sorts of things, and then the pandemic came along. And in a way, that was to our advantage, because we might have just had this uh, conference and then nothing happened. 
And I think it really galvanized us. And we saw the opportunity for the 12 people, which expanded to 14, um, to meet every week, every Friday at 12 o'clock and discuss how we could build a website. And I have to say, it was Matthew Slotover that came up with a brilliant idea that if we did a website, if we were going to do this, we had to have a calculator and we had to have an easy to use calculator. Because at the, at the heart of this would have to be that we um, were in line with the Paris Agreement, that we would reduce, that we'd all agree to reduce our carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. So that was at the heart of the whole thing. And I think it's, I mean, Victoria can say more, but I mean, I think it was this collaborative, very, very, very collaborative mm. sense. And it was bringing together people like Louisa Buck from the press, Daisy Garnett. It was bringing Peter Chater from ArtLogic, who I asked to do a website, and then he said, I'll do it for free. It was, it was just a moment. And I think we all acknowledge that that moment of the being a pandemic was... A, a, a strange time, but also a galvanising time. I think what, what astonished yeah. us was just this kind of overwhelming response from people wanting this. And, yeah. you know, we now have 800, over 800 members um, in 20 countries around oh, goodness, the world. That's amazing. That's far more than I, I knew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was far more than we initially yeah. anticipated when we were sitting yeah. around yeah. Uh, Table and Thomas's gallery, you know, about a year and a half ago discussing this. And, you know, every one of those members has um, signed up to the goal that Thomas mentioned of the Paris Agreement, which is the 50% reduction in emissions by uh, 2030 and a reduction of waste as well. And, uh, and what GCC does essentially give people the tools to measure and then achieve that. So, you know, the research we've done is all around shipping, transport, which we know are the two from the carbon reports that have been done by galleries. Those are the two main areas to address. Um, but then also things like uh, packaging, building energy, digital and the thing that's really been interesting as well, and this is what GCC is now adapting to, is that of those 800 members, they're not just commercial galleries. There are also institutions, there yeah. are artists, a lot of artists who came forward saying, this is exactly the kind of thing we've been looking for, for our studios, um, now using the calculator and the resources. Um, and so, you know, and, and ultimately this will be much more effective the more, you know, the more the, sort of the whole art world is involved in it and behind it and so it's, it's great to see that happening already. I can see why um, it was in a way lucky um, although you don't want to talk about the pandemic as being lucky but you know what I mean it, it, it somehow chimed well with this new initiative mm. because it was a moment when everybody was having to rethink their ways of working, rethink what what they did and how they did it, rethink their business models sometimes completely um, and so, and also, I think everybody, all of us, sort of thought, well, we haven't actually got on a plane for the last six months. Is it really necessary? Mm. I mean, we, we really did think about yeah. that as well. Yeah. However, there's been quite a bounce back now, and everybody's mad keen to be out there doing stuff, going to the places they used to go to, getting together. Um, do you think that there will be a little bit of a reaction in the other way now, and that people will be sort of thinking, actually... You know, I really do want to fly to that art fair across the world, or even if I don't actually need to. Or I think inevitably people are trying to, they've got to keep their businesses going. We've got to appreciate that people have to keep their businesses going. And they also, looking after artists can be um, very demanding and take you to many parts of the world if you want to. I think we, we're, 
we would like to see a change. We would like to see people understanding their carbon emissions so they can make those changes, reduce their travelling by, by percentages to see if they can find other ways to... We just produced a report uh, uh, recently on travel to Basel from Berlin or London, and it showed the huge difference of travelling by train compared to travelling by air. We hope very much that people will start to learn almost as if they as they do their accounts at the end of the year mm-hmm. they're doing their carbon accounts and they're looking well what has our expenditure been and what can we do to improve that in the future we know people are going to need to travel you know i think something about gcc is it, it's it's founded on very pragmatic principles you know yeah. the art world is what it is we're not you know it's it's a coalition of galleries whose business depends on being able to travel and being able to ship works and, you know, what GCC aims to do also is, you know, sort of provide the tools and resources to do that in a, sort of, you know, less sort of carbon emitting way. And, yeah. you know, shipping, as we know, is another huge contributor. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that, that a lot of our research has been around is the sort of comparative emissions from sea freight as opposed to air freight. And, and I think this is sort of, you know, it's fairly commonly known, but, you know, one of the things that we've done as GCC is sort of work with and sort of lobby the shipping and insurance industries to just provide more information to people. So, for example, when they get a, you know, a quote um, for a shipment, provide the option of not sending it by air. You know, how long would it take? How much would it cost? And what would the difference in emissions be? You know, that would be a kind of a huge turnaround. And actually, we're launching, GCC is launching a sustainable shipping campaign in mid-April that will sort of, sort of head-on address these issues. Um, so, you know, it's sort of, it, it, as I said, a sort of realistic approach to what we can do better. And back and the point on travel, I think, mm. you know, yes, of course, everybody's keen to travel. And it, there is a kind of making up for lost time as well that's happening now, which is important, yeah. you know, for the yeah. colleagues we haven't seen yeah. for two years in some cases. Um, but I feel like it is there is more awareness and things are being done more mindfully. Like there's more yeah. information, more awareness. There's a calculator, a GCC calculator that's there free to use that you can put in your your planned route. And it will tell you what the emissions that are going to be. Just being aware of that, yeah. I think, makes you take every decision a bit more seriously. Yeah. It's tailored to galleries yeah. and it's yeah. very simple to use. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I, I, I find it quite like quite helpful just you go online hmm. on your phone even and just check oh if I was going to fly to from <laughs> you know and the London to Basel one's an interesting one if I was going to fly and it tells you what the emissions would be if I was going to get the train what would the emissions are? and you can just make these very quick mm-hmm. comparisons and you know knowledge is power <laughs> that's sort of just again this sort of awareness and simplicity to kind of having this information at your fingertips. I'm also interested in the artists themselves your artists for example mm. um do do you think have you seen people actually changing the materials they work in or you know thinking about not making pieces that are quite so huge and therefore difficult to move i mean is it actually a consideration which is changing your artist's practice at all you know so there are you know there are artists obviously you know taking this really seriously Ryan Gandwin has just built a new studio in Suffolk that's totally carbon neutral um, and then, of course, there's the, the auction series that yes. Thomas and I have been working on for Client Earth, which is the charity, this amazing environmental law firm that Thomas mentioned earlier. 
and you know the generosity of the artists and the galleries and actually the galleries. involved who have given work to that auction series and it's raised over five million pounds so far and that's been incredible just seeing artists you know like Cecily Brown, Anthony Gormley, um, Rashid Johnson uh, just step up and say yes straight away and give really substantial you know, works. really substantial works um, and this has been the biggest uh, we've been the biggest contributor through this auction series to Client Earth during the last year. And that's enabled them to start uh, different campaigns in different countries uh, from Brazil through to uh, Southeast Asia. So I think this is one of the things that Victoria and I felt that um, the art world had access to both the, um, the generosity of artists and uh, trying to uh, engage with the clients in some way to show how they could... Um, maybe help give to some of these important environmental organisations. It's not, um, we don't believe in offsetting, but contributions um, are really important, that we all recognise there are people out there f fighting extraordinary fights on the front line of all this. You don't believe in offsetting? Tell me more about that. Well, it's... It's basically the and this again it's, it's this, this a, was the, one of these eye-opening things that came about when we started speaking outside of the art world yeah. to environmental experts well, like it, Danny it, it just doesn't who, work. Well, it's oh. just it, it's I think it, it's not um, always done in the best possible way. Was was what we were sort of what we discovered yeah. and you know for example planting trees obviously de facto a great thing. But the trees that are planted through offsetting schemes, many of them won't start taking carbon out of the atmosphere until about 2050 because trees take a long time to get to maturity and to yeah. start actually removing carbon. Whereas something like Client Earth, you know, to cite one example of their work, um, last year they uh, managed to sort of basically close down um, a power station, a coal-fired power station in Poland. And the annual carbon emissions of that power station were four times the emissions of Europe's biggest airline. So, so overnight, they're making work. like yeah. immediate sweeping changes. And so our feeling was donating mm. money to an organisation like that is more effective than the sort of traditional offsetting schemes. The other thing is that this sort of offsetting mindset can lead people to think, oh, well, I'll just carry on my normal life, but I'll yeah. put some money into yeah. offsetting it. Yeah. And so, you know, the idea of, um, we're calling them strategic climate funds, basically, um, strategic carbon funds, rather. Um, and there's a big, there's a whole section about this on the GCC website, which actually gives a few charities as well as Client Earth that, you know, that, that are great places to um, to donate to. Well, that's very, very interesting. I mean, just, just explain a tiny bit more about Client Earth for people who don't know. As I understand it, they're a firm of lawyers exactly. who fight the good fight by legal means. Yes. I believe they've even taken the British government to court mm -hmm. on several on, occasions. They have to do with uh, London air quality. Yeah. 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 Their focuses are essentially carbon emissions and also biodiversity. Um, and, and it's big, isn't it? I mean, they've got more than 100... Yeah, and they're international as yeah. well. So they're working yeah. all over the world. They're training yeah. environmental prosecutors in China um, to sort of implement environmental law. Um, so they really do extraordinary work. And as I said, it's, it's the sort of thing that has an impact immediately. Immediately. Um, and, you know, looking at our goals as GCC, which is, a, you know, obviously in line with the Paris Agreement, but is a reduction by 2030, you know, it seemed to us supporting an organisation like that. Um, 
That's probably the best way to try to but I also think us all globally get there outside of the art world. But I also think it's very difficult when you're thinking of giving uh, some money to an environmental organisation. Who do you give to? Mm-hmm. So that was one of the other things about GCC was to try and uh, offer that advice um, and uh, hopefully um, produce a list of of, of the best environmental organisations mm-hmm. we could, um, because there are so many, and you you just you just sort of at sea if you don't. Yeah. So it comes back to this steering, this advice, this trying to guide people in a very difficult uh, territory. I think if you don't have help. Of course, you mentioned Heath, who um, yes, is running Heath Lowry. Yes, but um, this sounds. I mean, now you've got so many people, and it, it's quite a big. Um, you must have to have some admin staff and some... We, we have three people working. Three people. It's a yeah. charity. We yeah. s- it, it was set up as a charity um, several months ago. Um, and uh, we have to raise money for that, yeah. to keep that charity going, to keep this... So people can donate to you as well? They, yes. They absolutely do, can. Do we have a patron scheme? Presumably all the galleries chip in. Quite a few, yes, yeah. absolutely. It's not, we, we wanted to make the resources free to okay. access. Yeah. So the calculator, all of the resources around shipping, packaging, travel, and so on, all free to use. Um, but we do encourage people to donate if they can. Um, and, you know, many galleries have been incredibly generous um, and that sort of sustained us. But obviously, you know, we need to kind of keep that up in the future as well. Yeah. Um, because there is, as you say, there is more and more work to be done. Um, we're also very reliant on volunteers. We have volunteer groups operating quite independently, actually, in Berlin, in Los Angeles, now in Italy, sort of three Italian cities are grouped together. Um, and more and more cities, groups coming forward in different cities, wanting to form their own um, GCC volunteer group. It's amazing to see. You know, we held an, a conference in November um, in London um, in a 250-seat theatre, which sold out of tickets, and, uh, and then hundreds of people were watching the live stream as well. And it's kind of hard to imagine that five years ago we would have had the same response. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and that, that's the amazing yeah. thing to see, it's just the, yeah. the sort of appetite for change and for awareness. Um, you know, the number, the 800 people who all signed up as members already, increasing every day, you know, and that, that definitely kind of um, is spurring us on because there is, you know, there, there is real desire for change, that's for sure. Well, we mentioned individual artists and the impact of climate concerns on their practice. So I'm talking now to Harun Mirza, who's a British artist and composer whose work focuses on energy and power and humans' relationship with the natural environment. Hi, Harun. Hi again. How are you doing, Jan? Uh, hi. Well, I think that because because we... We're pursuing this theme of um, of energy, of the climate emergency, of what galleries and artists are doing about it and responding and how they're responding to it. I think your pursuit of of energy, your investigation of energy is particularly interesting. You're working at such a high level um, around questions of energy and power, both technologically and kind of philosophically but at the same time you like all of us are deeply concerned about the more practical aspects of how 
the climate emergency and what we're facing in the near future is affecting us all and our children's lives. Um, so tell me a little bit about how that actually affects you as an individual artist in your studio and in your practice. Has it changed things a lot for you that over the last few years, this kind of thinking? Yeah, I think so. I think for many years now, um, you know, as you say, we're, you know, in the end, we're all responsible, you know, as long as as long as we're part of uh, a species that lives on this planet, we are responsible. And because a lot of what's a lot of the changes that are happening are a result of, you know, us, uh, you know, and what we do, um, then we are all responsible. So um, inevitably, these ideas uh, or you know the the awareness of what's happening to uh, our pl- planet and the climate has been becoming more and more aware of it um, ever since I was a child, and it's becoming more and more critical now. You know, and um, and of course you have to navigate between the science, the politics, and even the conspiracy theory side of things. You know, you have to sort of position yourself and pitch yourself somewhere this could be anything from the amount of electricity you know i work with electricity so but i'm hyper aware of how much electricity i use and what the purpose is for it um or ship you know these they're just the practical things with shipping you know this the, I, I guess the 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 gallery coalition is really you know working on these things about shipping and flying and and the materials used for packaging and those things can all really be addressed quite quickly and easily and, and people can sort of galvanise and come together and, and and sort of just establish new ways of doing things which, you know, doesn't involve bubble wrap, for instance, you know. So um, there are sort of practical things, but I think those things are kind of no-brainers. They're kind of really obvious and and the more people that start working in a way which is more sustainable... Um, I think it will hopefully just catch on. Yeah, this, the aim of 50% reduction by 2030, do you think that's practical for um, individual artists? I mean, obviously, you're always going to travel, you're always going to have international shows, and you know we all want that to continue to happen. We've just got to find different ways and more, um, well, less um, ecologically expensive ways of doing it. Um, yeah. Do you think it's a reasonable... Um, a reasonable thing to to kind of aim for and that it can it can be achieved yes i do and i think also you know it's all about compromise and and re sort of assessing what you're doing and why you're doing it this is to do with artist and celebrity really this idea that the art the, you know as an artist you're required to be present i've been quite i've been quite resistant to that anyway and you know i feel that if if you know, if you do a show, if you make uh, a bunch of work that ends up going to uh, a, a country, you know, uh, let's say New Zealand, if I do a show and there's a show in New Zealand and it can be installed and it can be set up and it can be, you know, presented, what's the what's the what's the actual necessity for me to be present? You know, do I why would I, fly, you know, like to to fly over and just be present it's kind of it's not really about the work it's not really about the i mean it may be if you're a performance artist you know if you're if you're if your body and your presence is a part of the work but in my case it isn't uh in some situations sometimes it is but in 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 most it isn't so i don't see the point of flying you know and it's and it's 
but that's a hard thing to chew for um many artists galleries and institutions because the cult of the celebrity because the cult of you know the 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 artist has become so key in in the in the in the in the industry of art right and it's in the industry it's not in the art itself so i think little things like that are kind of hugely important just generally you know like if you can do something over zoom you know if you can have a meeting over zoom it's kind of better than flying people like tino segal has never flown or you know as far as i know he doesn't fly there was also um gustav metzger who did this campaign raf it was called about artists not flying you know so it's been it's been a thing for quite some time anyway yeah absolutely there's, no, there's nothing new about this it's just kind of revving up and as as we all get more and more alarmed as we need to um but also this there's something really good i think that's happening at the moment which maybe was encouraged by the pandemic and the lockdown and and everything else um which is a really collaborative spirit i think um i mean as as we've as we've said to each other before artists are tend to be quite individual thinkers and individual people and that's what makes them so special but at the same time um everybody i think is recognizing the value of kind of getting together and um and i I think that's something that maybe your galleries can do perhaps almost more effectively than you as individual artists. What what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, at this level, where at the level of the galleries, like people like Thomas Dane and Listen and Kate McGarry, you know, they're all, it's, it's quite commendable that they've been able to galvanise and then through, because they're institutions, because they work with so many artists, then they're, you know, they can galvanize the artist because i think something like this i mean it's become i feel like it's become more and more difficult for artists to galvanize and and do things um that's not necessarily i mean there might be like some sort of political activism that happens but generally speaking you know like when was the last art artist-led uh movement for instance you know we talk you know in, historically there's been so many movements artistically that are, that come from artists galvanizing and that hasn't happened or it hasn't seemed to have happened in, in in some time um which might also which i feel like it's also to do with this idea of the art the the, the connection between artists and celebrity and ego you know the it's just ego gets in the way actually um so it's it feels like it's a quite a difficult um thing uh for artists to somehow lead on so it's really great that galleries have stepped in and and they're you know these are all galleries that are quite secure and quite um sort of established you know uh in what they do so they're able to do it and and if if the artists that they represent can get on board i think that will sort of permeate through through sort of the art world uh, generally which which i think is really positive because it is you're right it's all about you know people getting together and solidarity and work working together on on practical things yeah um instead of making it normal really making it normal to to have restrictions on air freight and um just all the all the concerns that that we've all been talking about um Given the way that you work and all these fantastic things that you kind of invent, I mean, your artworks are are inventions, really, aren't they? Some of them, at least, or at least, um, and I'm not talking at the moment about even we're not even 
managing to talk about your sound work, which is also fascinating. Um, do you think that um, that it, some of this is going to be solved by the ingeniousness of technological thinking and that artists such as you are taking a lead in that, taking a part in that? Perhaps it's possible. I think artists, I mean, I think art inadvertently helps. You know, it kind of inadvertently lays down ideas that, you know, then then sort of uh, people become aware of things. Like, for instance, you know, my the, the, the project that I did in Marfa in Texas, the stone circle, solar powered stone circle, you know, it wasn't there wasn't any sort of political intention with that work. It was a pr completely practical thing. You know, I want to, to create a stone circle that gen generated light and sound. And to do that remotely required solar energy. And um, it just so happened that Texas is oil country. And, and so there was no solar, you know, there was no solar power there for, for you know, the obvious reasons. And when after doing that project, you know, it kind of really inspired people to go solar. And it was a completely inadvertent thing, even just like solar energy, like this silicon research that's going on now, you know, that's kind of an interesting area or um, sort of fusion energy like tokamaks, you know, they're, they're, uh, that's a technology that's uh, a way of a, a new sort of clean nuclear um energy source that could be really interesting and 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 so when when you're when you're able to kind of collaborate with people doing research it's also um interesting because it just it sort of brings an awareness outside of the realms of either science or art and it it, it enters like i don't know like a sort of wider there's just a wider risk uh, wider reach so um i think it you know it, it is it is important that um people are able or artists are able to experiment freely with um with either technology or, or or work with people that develop technology in order for interesting things to happen that may sort of be transformative later on along the line well that sounds um sounds very optimistic as well as being really interesting <laughs> um the, the point about artist celebrity is a very interesting one, but I wonder as well whether there's um, one, you know, one of the things that it can do, this, this cult of, of, of celebrity, is mean that artists have more agency. Artists can tell the rest of us what they're thinking and to influence, actually, people other people's thinking i mean you've just you've just said it that amazing thing about your solar powered stone circle um having an influence in an oil state mm. um but in general i think the way that artists think can permeate the population do you feel that you've got a kind of um almost a duty to do that or i know you've certainly got the power to do it and if you do feel that you've got an obligation to do it is that is that a bit, I mean, is that a bit of a kind of weighty thing or do you quite relish the idea? I don't feel like I have this uh, burden or obligation, but, and I think, but, but it is possible to do it. We do have agency, but I think the agency is more, more in the work that we do. And because, and, you know, more people, it's 
more people see my shows and people see me you know it's yeah, i don't think an artist getting on the on the soapbox is kind of the the um the right platform you know necessarily i think through through the work that they do and the exhibitions that they make i think it's kind of easier to kind of and 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 more effective to send certain kind of messages but then that's and that's where the obligation you know thing becomes interesting because your work is your work you know your practice is what you do and it may not have anything to do with um you know how things are packaged or how things are you know but you can you know but it 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 can and it does happen uh these sort of com- the conversation does happen in a in a in 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 work in artworks itself i like that idea very much that the conversation happens in the artworks itself i mean i think that's that's really is the the strongest possible um message yeah. from from an artist that's that's where the that's where the thinking comes in and and we just have to take a good look at what you're saying and listen and um you know there there's there's the powerful part i think so and it, you know it happens it's more long term as well you know it, it, it it's more long term and effective when it happens within the artwork rather than something being said you know by an artist um because i don't even know if artists have the agency or authority in that way you know to be visible and present talking about climate change i mean there there, there is uh, obvi- obviously a little bit but not as not as much as it will the work it will do in the in the work itself yeah well thank you so much for talking to me i really found it interesting and um i find all your work fascinating not that i understand some of it but um thank it was you. great to talk to you thank you so yeah, much yeah you too jan thank you Well, it was great to hear from Haroon and to get a taste of his thinking around this vital question. And, by the way, the music you hear on this podcast was composed by Haroon. Thanks so much to him for allowing us to use it. I was really fascinated by all our guests today and all that they had to say, and I hope you were too. The next London Gallery Weekend takes place from the 13th to the 15th of May this year and involves more than 150 galleries across the capital. I hope you'll be able to come and sample at least a little of the amazing work on display. Until then, goodbye. And to find out more, visit the London Gallery Weekend website or follow us on social media at London Gallery Weekend. This podcast is a co-production between London Gallery Weekend and In Talks With, and the music is written and produced by Harun Mirza, licensed by Outputs 2021. Until next time, I'm Jan Daly. See you in the galleries. <laughs>